Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the only podcast that covers our local schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. We are busy, busy, busy at the562.org, and this podcast is brought to you as part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. As always, I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Artabasio, and our partnership with the Post includes a lot of education coverage we've been doing for them for the last couple of years, including a story up right now on the announcement that the Long Beach Unified School District and the rest of schools around the state will be dropping their masking requirement on March 12th. I'm Tyler Hendrickson. A lot of exciting things happening at the 562. Ever expanding is our organization. Um, Got to shout out our newest sports sponsor, P2S Inc., uh, sponsor of all of our Long Beach State Dirtbags coverage. Um, which has been a little topsy-turvy to start out the season. Um, we are a nonprofit, so we do rely on community support. If you're interested in sponsoring some of our coverage, definitely reach out and we can set that up. Also wanted to, to pinpoint a brand new uh, social media that we're diving into, boys. Uh, the 562 now has a TikTok account uh, being run by a couple of our superstar interns. Uh, Nina and Casey have done a great job getting that off the ground. Some awesome content uh, just to, you know, diversify. We got to stay young. You know, we're moving in the wrong direction like everyone. So we have to outsource some of the creativity to our young high school interns. We're excited to have a new crop of four interns for the spring. And you'll be seeing a lot of their work, um, you know, coming up in the months ahead. If you want to follow us on TikTok, the562.org. It's the same as our Instagram handle. Hop on there and check out just a different look at sports coverage, the most recent video is kind of a behind the scenes of the Millican boys basketball win in the state playoffs. First in program history. JJ, you were there covering it. Um, we're, we're in the playoff run, and that kind of brings us right into to what we've been covering, and it's playoffs. Yeah, I'm still drying off from, uh, from Splash Zone, turning up the volume and the heat there at the Millican gym. That student section has been absolutely amazing in the postseason. Uh, they really got after him in the second half, and they're going to be loud again on Thursday night as Milliken is back at Howard's Lion Gym uh, to play that second-round game. And they weren't the only ones to win on Tuesday night, guys. I mean, basketball Jones getting itched right now by the local teams, making sure that we got more games to cover on Thursday. Polly alive, St. Anthony alive, and Milliken alive. But as always, within the playoff structure, we're talking about the playoff structure. Because it's not the same as the Southern section. And I think in a lot of cases, not just this, not just basketball, not just our local high schools, in all local high schools, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that people don't know about, even if they're ridiculously involved, right? People have four years in high school. They're in, they're out, they're on with their lives. And uh, I don't, there's been so much change in playoffs and divisions and leagues and all that stuff over the years, both in the section and in the state, that I think it's good sometimes to uh, reset what is the criteria for these playoffs. Because in the Southern section, there is elite basketball. Look at Long Beach, for example. And then in other areas, there is elite basketball. But when you put those other areas up against Long Beach or other areas, it's, it's not the same thing, right? It's apples and oranges sometimes. So the state has to figure out how to make competitive games. And we've got thoughts as to how they're doing that. Can I complain about the other thing I want to complain about first? <laughs> way, way to keep us on track, Mike. Yeah, old, my, the old Actually, man with his I see your intro. I see your intro and I raise you something completely different. Well, it is. We had two basketball topics that we were going to gripe about, and I do feel like the first we should do the first one first. Uh, before we get to the state, 
we Tyler and I covered the CIF championship uh, basketball game of Polly on the road at Village Christian. And this does kind of get into what JJ was talking about, because it is obviously just a different year than what we're sort of normally going to see. But uh, Tyler and I were sort of astounded that this Village Christian gym, which quite frankly looks like an LBUSD middle school gym. Would you agree, Tyler? Uh, yeah, I mean, I described it as like a church rec room, you know what How I mean? Far? Like just any sort of community center that has a little stage and has, you know, a few hundred bleachers on the side. I mean, it was kind of like a 24 hour fitness just with a stage. How far away was the baseline from the wall? There was a lot of room, which was good because on one baseline, there was a stage. Um, which always, is where the, always dangerous. Which is where their student section was sitting. And then on the other baseline was the 200, I don't know, 100 or so people, 50 or so people who had a ticket, but who there was not room for, including a good chunk of the poly students uh, who arrived on the bus. Um, you know, look, we're in a difficult time. The CIF obviously uh, normally does a great job with the sort of neutral site venues. We love going to the Honda Center or um, we talked about the ACC on the last podcast, Pyramid, whatever. We, we love going to games there. And we, we totally understand that they could not book those out three or four months ahead of time this year, given the situation um, with the Omicron uh, surge. However, Hosting a CIF championship, and it was the two AA championship. It's the number three championship uh, in in the whole southern section on the boys basketball side, in a gym where um, the poly ticket link never went public. It was just by the time that the the people connected to the team had bought the tickets, it was sold out. The gym was so small that there was a woman I felt horrible for her who was in a wheelchair who's was basically on the court because there was just no place to put her. And Tyler he was sit, literally about... sitting at the end of Polly's bench. So if Polly had had two more players, I genuinely don't know where this woman would have sat. It, it, it just, it, it was chaotic. Um, you know, I think this, the CIF is doing what they can. And look, I, we keep, obviously we keep this stuff in perspective of, uh, of what the size of the complaint here. We're not talking life or death stuff, but it, it was, you know, you show up to cover a CIF championship. You're expecting that there'll be room for both teams student sections or parents or whatever um very difficult circumstances tyler at one point is kind of being bumped by the crowd behind him out onto the court a little bit while filming um and then being admonished by village christian administration for having a toe on the court it's like there's literally nowhere to stand man you know yeah no <laughs> it was I just mean, really yeah. difficult circumstance well, to kind of put it into perspective, I mean, obviously, I want to say kind of towards the front here that we're not uh, suggesting that this necessarily impacted the game or that Village Christian didn't deserve to be champions. They're a great team. They won their state opener like Definitely. they were the champions. It was a you know, it was a good game. They shot the ball like crazy. Congrats to them. Uh, so it's definitely it's it's not sour grapes. It's just like you said, it's usually these championship games that have the pomp and circumstance, both teams get a plaque. You want fans to be able to go. And I think you kind of touched on it earlier, Mike, if you weren't related to a poly player or you weren't able to get one of those student tickets, you could not go to the game. Village right. Christian sold out of their tickets on Tuesday, which is the day that they knew that right. they were going to be in the game. So they obviously did not let all of their fans in because they sold out you know, quicker than Jay-Z at MSG. So obviously there's people that wanted to see that game that couldn't. That for me, that rubs me the wrong way because it's a CIF championship game. That's a once in a lifetime opportunity 
for these kids and to turn away their friends or extended family yeah, seems wrong. It, it also was wrong that the poly students bought tickets or got tickets from the school, which the school purchased, got on a bus, sat in traffic for over an hour, got to the game and had nowhere to sit. Some of many of the students sat down, but others had to stand in the corner. It was also, it wasn't safe because doors were being blocked. People were standing everywhere. And as a member of the media, obviously I'm biased because I'm thinking of my perspective of wanting to work the game, but it put me in my, in my opinion, it put me in more risk because on one baseline, I had, I had no option to stand because the student section was on the baseline and the cheerleaders were sitting on the ledge and literally, so I had to sit on the floor with just a few, you know, a few feet between me and the baseline, a wall behind me and cheerleaders legs above my head. That was my only option. And then on the other side, if I stood back, people were walking in front of me because there was no way to get to the seats right. except walking in front of me. Or if I, if I stepped forward, then I was going to be admonished for being too close to the court. There's also people sitting right behind me. So if I have to back up because a play is coming at me and usually you want to be nimble on the baseline, right? You never know when there's a loose ball or someone's going to yeah. come diving or a hard foul. If I tried to back up, and I trip over someone sitting and then crack my head open on the wall, what's going to happen then? Well, you know, there's I, a, the, the, you know it also, yeah. in addition to the, in addition to those safety issues, it, you know, it's just like, I don't like the finger pointing thing, the village Christian administration, we're, we're all sitting on top of each other. So I'm, we're Tyler and I are sitting among the poly uh, administrators who are upset about, particularly about the student section thing, because poly had, uh, Village Christian had reserved half of the seats on the bench side for themselves, and then they ended up taking four fifths of the seats on the other side. So when these poly students got there off the bus, you know, the poly's going over there like, "What do you? This is a CIF championship. You have to let our kids sit down to cheer for their team." Right. And every time something was going wrong, the Village Christian people were were sort of pointing the finger at the CIF. Uh, which that, you know, that's, that, that bugs me a little bit. It's like, this is your school. You could have chosen to have this at a junior college or somewhere where there's room for everyone. Right. Um, take some responsibility for making this like a decent environment for everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, and if you need to rope it off, rope it off. You, you shouldn't expect the traveling athletic director, Rob Schock to stand there and literally try to wall. He literally had to, yes. Right. Which yeah, is literally he what he had to people, do. <laughs> strangers, by the way, people he didn't right. know and say, Hey, these are for our students. You have to keep moving. Um, yeah, I mean, it was the, maybe the moment was too big for them. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of finger pointing. But ultimately, you know, the atmosphere was great. It was chaotic. There was a lot of energy. It was a lot of noise. And we love that. But at the same time, there was just way too many issues for a CIF championship game. The CIF could have stepped in and say, hey, there has to be a larger seating requirement um, because there was only... I, I mean, I basically counted the seats. There was really only 450 seats available. And then you toss in the student section area, which was only for Village Christian students, which obviously served them, um, but not, you know, the casual fan. So, um, yeah, I think we have to do better. I understand that the CIF was limited from what they conventionally do, but um, I think this was a breakdown. I think it was a mistake. It needs to be a larger venue. We saw it in football season for Polly Sarah. That venue was not nearly big enough for that game. And, right. you know, there, there's got to be some lessons learned in this where we can we can do well on the fly. Um, and and, and I, it's, it, it was it was disappointing. I think it definitely took away took away from the experience for a lot of people. Uh, luckily, there was not a fire because I don't right. know how everyone could have possibly gotten out of there safely. 
Um, I, I just think, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to put a lot on the, on the, uh, we talked a little bit about the organizer. I'm going to put a lot on the host schools because Sarah did this when it was the state, uh, state playoff game against Polly and Village Christian did this for CIF championship. We're in these unconventional, difficult times um, because of COVID. If you are being given the responsibility, and I understand that it's, you know, you're not compensated additionally as individuals, whatever. If you're hosting a game like this, you got to like rise to that moment of, Play it at a JUCO, do whatever you need to do to make sure that it's enjoyable and safe for everybody. Because it's just like, it's been a theme this school year in these big games that you show up and there's people banging on the gate outside who had tickets and can't yeah. get in. And it's really bad. I mean, it's just not a good look. It's not safe. And it's also just not what, you know, these, these high school sports championships are about. Right. Well, and we want to promote the kids. We want to promote what's going on. And when sports writers are there and can't even tweet during the game, kind of an issue, you know, couldn't fortunately, even tweet. fortunately my phone had service and I was able to do that. <laughs> and I also think it's just, it's, it's kind of ironic. And I think it, it's, it's frustrating that it's like, well, because of COVID we had to switch and we couldn't have it all at one site. So let's cram 600 people standing room only shoulder to shoulder into a cracker box with no cracker jack box with no <laughs> ventilation. And it's just like, really, like, are we really like, can we be smarter than this? You right. know, can we foresee? And they did not get blindsided. They knew on Tuesday it was sold out. They could have gotten a bigger venue. And Village Christian, like I said, deserve, you know, deserved champions. Totally. Yeah, yeah. But they they did nothing to deserve that as a home game other than win a coin toss. Okay. Right. So respectfully, those are always usually a neutral site. I can understand why they would selfishly not want to give up their home court advantage, but I don't think they should have the right to make that decision at the expense of literally everyone else in that all right, that's enough whining out of me, except for this next topic I'm going to whine about. <laughs> yeah, we're going to whine in a different direction. We're going to whine in a different direction. JJ might just re-edit that intro from earlier in the pod and just, like, put it right in right here. I'm considering it, yeah. JJ, JJ, JJ checked out. He's like, oh, Mike and Tyler are on a freaking roll right now. Well, you guys are – you guys stay – hey, listen, the soup has effectively been sent back at the deli. <laughs> you stay on that Kaiser roll and just keep going. No soup for you. Uh, well, okay. So what JJ no was <laughs> what JJ was alluding to earlier was the the uh, change, and I'll be completely honest with you. You know, uh, maybe they've been doing this for you know since last year or something. I don't know, but there was a, a change in how the CIF state brackets were put together that really did not make a lot of sense to us. Where um, teams were moved up and down in divisions significantly more than they used to be, to the extent that. The Poly boys basketball team moves up from Division II AA to Division I. Uh, the teams that Poly and Village Christian beat, in, so Poly and Village Christian are like 12 and 13 or something in Division I. The teams that they beat in the semifinals are like the top seeds in Division II. And I just don't really see where this makes sense that you go – congratulations teams. And it, look, and this happened with the poly girls basketball team too. They lost in the semifinals and they moved down a division from division one to division two, where they're the three seed. And I just don't think this makes personally to me, it just does not make sense that you lose in the semifinals. That gives you a better chance of winning a state championship. I just don't really understand where that's coming from. Um, but it, it doesn't, it, we have a team that benefited from it, a team that didn't benefit from it, but it, it just doesn't yeah. really make sense to me. At, at the same school, ironically, but yeah, right. it's like it benefits. Obviously, if you get to the semifinals, that's how you know you made it to state. So that's a huge milestone. But it incentivizes losing the semi 
if you know you're not going to win the CIF championship. So you don't, you know, you want to be how the poly girls did, right? It sets you up better for state than it is losing in a championship game. So I think maybe one way they could kind of tweak it a little bit is it doesn't make sense to me to say to the poly boys, hey, you know, you were kind of underdogs in your bracket a little bit. You know, you weren't one of the highest ranked or seeded teams uh, in your bracket, but you made it to a championship game. So now we're going to move you up and keep giving you tougher competition as you go. But they didn't win anything. They didn't win that plaque. They got a runner up. But, you know, for Village Christian, I think it makes sense. If you win a CIF championship and the state office kind of deems that you're worthy of being bumped up, kind of the way the poly football team was, you know, when they won, they rolled their division and then got bumped up for state and had a very competitive game. Uh, Village Christian, obviously, they held their own. They won their first round game as the as the lower seeded team. It just feels it feels odd for a team that didn't win a championship to say you're too good. We're moving you up because you weren't too good for your division. So why? Right. So I think that's kind of the sticking point. Um, but it's just you know, weird. I, it, year it, is, year, it though, is weird. Guys, it is year, weird. year to year. That is also how the Southern section works. We, ha- we have to at least say that if you lose a lot, you get moved down. So like technically somebody could say, Oh man, I've got this incredible freshman class. I know they're going to be ballers when they're seniors. So maybe I schedule a little bit more difficult in these next few years. Maybe yeah. we lose a few more games. Maybe we, maybe we moved out. That, know, look, is, I, possible. I, I, that yeah, is possible. It, it is. And I think, look, any playoff system is manipulatable. And I think there's always going to be an inherent belief that coaches are doing the right thing and, and trying to be competitive. And I, you know, I think that that's by and large, that's probably very true. I just think there's a difference between the Southern section saying, we're going to try and take a snapshot of um, where your program is over the last couple of years and put you with more, you know, competitive teams and saying, and even with football that the Southern section did where they take the course of the whole season and then doing what the state did, which is, well, how did last week go? You know, <laughs> right. like, like how'd you shoot the ball on Thursday? That's going to determine, you know, where, where you're seated. Well, we, I, we, I was... We've talked about this before though. They can't have eyes everywhere. It's so much, it's so ridiculously difficult for the Southern section to do it, let alone to do it the entire state. Like, do you think anybody from the state office has ever seen Bravo play? Right. I think well, that's, that's the, I think that's the problem, you know, personally. Yeah, well, and I think that why, why is the state office, you know, coming in and, and, doing so much to tinker with what the sections put together because the sections have a better grip and understandings on their teams. So I think the state office, their role should be if there's an obvious kind of mistake or there's a team that is really outclassed their division and you're like, okay, we need to give them more competition. The poly football team is a great example. They dominated division four. They should have been in a higher division for state. And they they got moved up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 The poly boys basketball team, not a good, you know, if they lose to Foothill, which it's a is tie a game with it's game. a tie game with 50 seconds left in that game, and the team yeah. that won it goes to be number 13 in D1, and the team that lost it goes to be a top three seed in division. Like it just that's the part that doesn't right. make sense to me. Yeah, so that's that that's the weird thing. I think they need to do less. I think we gotta stick with where you're at in your section and let teams have a, a, a fair shake at kind of where they are, and you don't want to punish their success. Um, you know, by giving them too difficult of a games in the next round, I can understand doing it for champions because it's like, Hey, you accomplish something, you have a memory, let's push it. Let's push it a little further. Let's see just how good you guys are. But for teams that didn't win anything, I think bumping them up and just kind of making them cannon fodder 
it was good matchups. Polly was not overmatched against St. Bernard. They ultimately lost to a, a, a very quality team on their home court. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, and those are just the examples that we have. I'm sure there's tons of examples all throughout the bracket um, that you can point to, but this is just our narrow kind of expertise on what we saw. And I think generally they just need to do less shuffling of teams uh, up and down divisions. I think we should keep it where we're at um, and don't try to reinvent the wheel or outsmart the the sections. That's, that's my thought. You'll get less I, criticism that way. So if you're the czar of California high school basketball, what do you do? Ooh, you baby. That- First thing I do, number one. And- <laughs> I, yeah, would say any team, the one. Any, I would say any team that didn't win a section championship should never be advanced to a higher division. So only in the, champions in the state playoffs. In state. Only should, champions. No, no, no. He's no, saying no, 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 should, no. He's saying, he's saying shouldn't move up. Shouldn't move up in division. So even if you lose in the semifinal, you should stay in the same division. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but, or get moved down. Or you could move depending down on how the teams. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think that's fair because I think what it's created is, and I use the analogy before we started recording of like. At some point, you've sliced the cheese thin enough and you need to stop trying to continually get it thinner and thinner, right? Like, I, I, we're fans of the competitive equity format. I would be a fan of it even if it had not benefited Long Beach teams. I just I think that it makes sense to judge based on the quality of a program rather than their attendance or whatever else. This, to me, takes it one step further in going as specific because you're judging based on the criteria of a week and a half playoffs, um, and what I don't like about it is we go back to that semifinal game that Polly's in with Foothill. It's a tie game with 50 seconds left. Polly happens to go on and win that game because they won that game. They're number 13. And because Foothill lost it, they're a top two seed. That's the part of it that doesn't make sense to me. And that's not the case. You can't point to moments like that being swinging door or sliding doors moments with the competitive equity format where you go, Oh, well, that one shot went that way. And so you're screwed in state. <laughs> well, and, and, and it, 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 it does. It, ultimately, it does. And some people have said this about competitive equity. I don't agree with that. But this system, what they've done here to me does reward losing in that you would rather on Sunday when you woke up, you look at the brackets, you'd rather have lost in the semifinals than to have made it to a championship game. Well, let's let's be fair. I mean, sometimes the results could swing that. It's not just off the wins and losses. It's how the games played out. I mean, the Poly boys very easily could have lost in the second round, Mike. I mean, you covered that game, that home game that they needed that that block in the last they second lost from, in the first from Marcel Hayes. Well, sure. I mean, it was they played very very close games all the way, um, and it wasn't like you know if if they had played. Imagine they blew every team out through the semis and then played a very close final game against you know whoever ended up winning the championship at that point if you want to move them up because you're like hey they're clearly better than most of the teams in their division and they played a very close game that could have gone either way and you want to put both of those teams up I can understand the thinking on that but (laughs) the way that Polly's run went I mean that they they were pretty well matched with every team that they played during that playoff run including in the final and so it feels weird to kind of pull them up because they didn't really need an additional challenge of division one. They were getting pretty well challenged and had to play well in order to win. And that's kind of what you want to see. Again, they did it. They were competitive against um, Bernard's throughout. They were tied going into the fourth quarter and um, yeah, it went the way it went, but yeah, just, just do a little bit less, you know, you don't just have to try out, to bro. overthink it. Yeah, just just All that being said, you have to agree that what they're doing is the same idea as what the Southern section is doing with playoff equity. For example, yeah. you have Milliken 
semifinal loss in that division, 3A in the southern section. You've got uh, Bravo High School, a champion out of D3, coming out of the city section. Now, pretty much every team that played in that city section bracket is going not going to not be as big, fast, and strong as like Milliken, for example. Like the, the height differential alone in that first round game on Tuesday night where Milliken won their first ever state playoff game was palpable. You, all you had to do was look at the warmups. You know what I mean? And credit to Bravo. They played their game. It was 15-15 after the first quarter. Way, way to go, guys. That's that's great. You guys played your game. But eventually, Can we give Bravo a round of applause? Is that, Bravo, is that do? Bravo, uh, Bravo, Bravo, Bravo. Two guys, two guys who didn't watch my video. Cool, cool, cool. So, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Did I not for you last night, JJ? So, uh, so I was covering my game. No, I was busy. I was busy writing down how I was going to do the intro for this complain pod. <laughs> so, uh, what, what what we're we trying grievances. to do? What we're trying to do is get these kids in the right bracket, like the even bracket, right? It would be crazy to send Bravo to the D3 state bracket. That's insane. Don't do that. But it would also be crazy to move Milliken up. So when they move them be- when they move them down and they meet there, I feel like what the state is trying to do is say Bravo can be more competitive in the state division four bracket where Milliken is also moved. You know what I mean? So they're trying to do what you guys are saying. But what you're saying is do less, which in that case, I feel like Bravo, in, just as this example, would have played a better team than Milliken. And they were a champion. So what do you do with the champions of the divisions that aren't as good as the semifinalists from the other divisions? How do you, fi- I don't know how you fix that. Well, I think ultimately there, there, we run into these difficulties in the state bracket where the Southern section is the best sports section, maybe in the country. Right. And so when inevitably there do seem to be these games where, I mean, we've seen some girls basketball games that are like in the eighties, you know, where the poly girls win like 80 something to 12 or whatever in the state playoffs. Right. You know what I mean, because they get a city section team and it's just not, you know, they're just not on the same level. So that's, that is a difficult balance that they have to strike. And ultimately somebody's going to have to take their lumps. But um, I, I think, especially for the, the top tiers of the Southern section, where you've got a, a wealth of data and a lot of teams have played other teams and tournaments and stuff. I think you can make a little more of those, you know, smarter decisions on that. But to your point, JJ, I mean, there are going to be some mismatches because certain sections just ball out and others are not as, you know, not as deep as far as with their, with their talent. JJ has an unanswerable point, which is yes. Like, and also by the way, it kind of works. I mean, like Polly got moved up, but they were in a very close game with St. Bernard. The Polly girls got moved down, but they were also in a very close game for, you know, for, for most of that game. So it's, I don't know. I, there's no perfect answer to it. Um, I know there are plenty of people who felt that the competitive equity stuff was doing too much, which we did not uh, feel that way, or at least I did not feel that way in the Southern section. So um, no real answer there. And I don't really have a comeback for JJ's point because it's a that's a very fair point. So, so instead <laughs> of sometimes seniors just not as good, like yeah. straight up, like it's it's fine. So instead of finding something else to complain about, let's talk about some kids. Who in the last month... I mean, maybe you saw it coming, maybe you didn't or whatever. Who in the last month has really impressed you on the court, off the court, in the playoffs, the way they carried themselves, all that stuff? Maybe somebody people didn't notice, if that makes any sense. Like, like mine is kind of obvious, but also if you don't know Millican basketball, you don't know who Kamari Washington is. Uh, he, he's, been this, he's been the scoring leader for Millican all season. He had everybody a bad- knows him, JJ. I promise you, everybody knows Kamari Washington. 
every <laughs> single person, Tyler. I'm going to walk outside and talk to somebody on the street. They're going to be like, love K-Dub, bro. Absolute baller. So he had a tough semifinal against Dana Hills. Slow start, couldn't get back into it, played much better in the second half, but they fell short. So what does he do in the first round of state? He doesn't press. A lot of basketball players, old, young, male, female, I don't care. If you're a scorer, you score. And they would come back after a game like Dana Hills in that state bracket and try to score. That just makes sense. We've seen that so often. And this kid showed so much poise and control and unselfishness in this game against Bravo where he saw his teammate starting to go off and just turned into facilitator rebounder. Ten points might be one of the lower scoring point totals for him in his entire basketball career. This kid goes to the bucket, man. It's what he does. But the 10 rebounds and the 10 assists that he had messing around and getting a triple-double, that's a true basketball player. So big shouts to K-Dub, man. That's, I just love seeing guys not worry about themselves and worry about the team. Now, if they were in a situation where they were like, oh, man, you were just a mismatch. We got to have you score 30 tonight. He also could have done that. I also think he could have done that, but he didn't need to, and he went the path of least resistance. Take what the defense is giving you, all those other sports cliches. I just love to see that from young basketball players showing uh, supreme maturity in, let's be honest, the biggest win in Millican basketball program history. Well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, you can't you can't say that, JJ. They've won three CIF championships, but it's but it I is, don't know. Last week, you guys were telling me sport. that state was more important than uh, than CIF section section what? stuff. Yeah, it's there's the no first ever, there's no first ever there's, state win. There's no recording of me saying a first round state win is a bigger deal than winning a CIF championship. No, but we were talking about the difference between the two brackets, and you guys were saying that state was a bigger deal than the section, right? You're it is recording. You're, you can't go back and check. You're doesn't even sound like me. You're 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 comparing you're comparing CIF championships to first round state win. That's not uh, apples to or that's that's not apples to apples. It's like apples to hand grenades or something. I will say, Mike, timely reference. Yeah, Jesus I will, H, dude. I will say, it, former CIF sport, by the way. I will say, um, uh, Kamari Washington is a college basketball player. So I hope uh, I hope coaches are are listening or watching and and will. Uh, scoop that kid up and give him a chance. Cause I definitely think he has a future at the next level. Sure. Um, I, my player, I got to jump in before Mike takes it, but no. uh, not Nala Williams. I mean, un- unbelievable. I mean, we would be remiss if we did not include um, Nala's name in this segment because she has in many ways, in many moments kind of single-handedly carried Long Beach Poly as far as they've gone um, in these girls basketball playoffs. And that's not to say that, they don't have great role players on that team that have done their part and hit some big shots and made some big plays. But I mean, you can see it, <laughs> you know, you can go back and watch our videos and, and the numbers kind of speak for themselves. I mean, leads the team in, in basically every category um, and just the will that she's played with and, and just the refusing, you know, refusing to lose in so many of these games. I mean, obviously they did lose their, their semifinal, but um, not, not at 100% and just playing with so much heart and so much pride for her school. I mean, that's what you love to see in the playoffs is players that really care about their community and their, you know, the name they wear across their chest. And, and she's been really, really fun to watch. So uh, credit to her and, um, and the way that she's playing and is continuing to play. They'll get another chance tomorrow night. 
I'll I'll do a, a two part one quick shout out to Lucas Gray from St. Anthony, who, uh, you know, we, we looked at St. Anthony as a two headed monster with Jaden Bush and Elijah Price. But Lucas Gray uh, obviously had a career high at the exact right time uh, in the southern section playoffs for St. Anthony. And then uh, from Polly, I would personally have to say Marcel Hayes. Um, you know, here's a guy who I think second team all league player um, and was just always kind of a, a hustle role player on that poly team. But I really played the best basketball of his career in crunch time. I mean, stepped up huge for them, carried the scoring load at times uh, early in games. And then also in that championship um, game for Polly, I think you could arguably say he had the best game of anyone uh, who played for Polly. And that's not a dude that you expected to come out here and be a reliable three-point shooter. Um, but he was in the playoffs and just super, super impressed me as a guy who, um, like you guys were just talking about, clearly playing for a city and a school and playing with a lot of pride uh, on the biggest stage. That's a, I think Marcel's a great example of a guy that you just really wish he had another year of high school ball, you know, where you're just like, he's starting to come out of his, uh, his Marcel a little bit. Like he's start, the light's starting to come on, his game's starting to round out. He's playing with confidence. You know, he's putting up some big numbers. He's had, I think, 18 in the CIF championship game, if I'm right, Mike. Uh, close to a 20 point game. He's made some big defensive plays. And um, yeah, I just would love to see another year of kind of his growth in that program. But, uh, you know, shout out to the way that he put it all on the line at the at the end of the year for Polly. Absolutely. That's a good call. So we've got state basketball games Thursday night, Millican boys, Polly girls, St. Anthony boys. All the coverage is going to be at the 562.org as well as everything else. Long Beach sports, obviously. Good stuff happening at Long Beach State. Basketball teams playing some big games this weekend. Men's team going to be at home for two games where they, if they win, they take the conference title. Dirtbags are going to be back at Bull Diamond at Blair Field for another tough challenge against a team that people might know not know is very good. For example, beat Mississippi State on the road. Everybody knows that. Mississippi State won the national championship. Very good. And then they come back and they get swept by Sacramento State at home. Sacramento State, not exactly a uh, athletic powerhouse, but that baseball program is quality. That baseball program has more 30-win seasons than anybody else in the state of California over the last decade. And this North Dakota State team that's coming into Bull Diamond to Blair Field has made like five of the last seven NCAA regionals. So even if you don't know the name across the jersey, you know that the programs, Eric Valenzuela is having his team play, are very good. So you're going to get some quality ball out at Bull Diamond to Blair Field this weekend. Uh, we've also got previews for badminton boys volleyball softball baseball here in the local area it is all happening and we've got it covered at the 562.org and obviously also at long beach post so thank you everybody at the websites who makes that stuff possible thank you for listening please share this podcast leave us a five-star review and we will talk to you next week long beach take care